know that you worked with. So you've really had a, a, a great opportunity to work with some really blue chip brands and, and have some really just, I think, examples of, of different business types and, and audience types that have allowed you to just really grow your knowledge. And so I'm glad that you could come on the show and share with us today um, your, 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 your observations and your insights. And so today our topic is going to be mastering the creative matrix, the fusion of art and science through your marketing and social media channels. So in the context of that, I, I think Zeno, sorry, Zenea, um, I, I think that all of us, all every marketer who's sitting at their home office or their desk is trying to think about what we've been doing is not working. Or they're thinking, how can I do this better? How can I do this more effectively? You know, what, what are some of the, the stagnant or, you know, things that I've, I've found myself into a rut? I'm, I'm clinging on to the status quo. I'm, you know, holding on to what I know has worked, but my results are not changing. And so what are you seeing? I mean, you've, you've worked in such a, a wide array of, of great sort of topic areas and industry segments. What do you think, is, what approach do you feel when we're trying to master this creative matrix? I mean, what's different now and, and, and how do we change that as we look and move forward? Yeah. So what a loaded question, Michael. I know, uh, right? <laughs> There, there are a few things that I think about. I mean, I think one of the mantras that a lot of advertisers, digital marketing advertisers have is to always be testing. And, you know, sure, we hear that all the time, but you should really always be testing. Hmm. Um, platforms change all the time. Google, um, Facebook, they, you know, have algorithmic changes. They change the targeting capabilities depending on the industry that you in. You know, Google um, in mid-October had the change to the way that advertisers in specific categories are able to target. We know that, you know, app advertisers are really going to be impacted by IDFA in early next year. So it's really important that, you know, you're aware that what worked six months ago may not work for you six months from now. Um, so having, having always on, always testing mindset is the first step um, to really just staying ahead of the curve and making sure that, you know, you're constantly learning and constantly thinking about the next thing that may happen. Um, so if we, if we kind of step back and we take what you just said, and, and we're trying to figure out how, how are we going to unlock this matrix mm -hmm. so that we can begin to do that thing that we need to always be doing. Like, I, I feel like this is a different approach. This is not 1960 and, and we can't, we, we have to stop. We definitely, the linear TV model is not working. 
right? So let's talk about how are we going to unlock this matrix? What's the first thing to do? Well, you're right. It's not 1960s, but I still like to think about what did they do back then that just makes us totally different? Or what did they do back then that's totally different from what we're doing today? So in the 1960s, they were really focused on like telling stories and and making sure that they created ads that resonated with the user and, and you know, foster some sort of emotion when someone looked at or, or looked at an ad or heard a commercial. I think that, you know, with the rise of digital marketing, we've really swung in the opposite direction. Um, we, our CEO of 3Q Digital, uh, our former CEO, David Ronitsky, he likes to say we were madmen. Uh, then we became math men, always in the data, and now we need to be mad math men and women. He added the women part too, because <laughs> uh, we all we all yelled at him about that. Right. So I think that that is like absolutely key. We have to remember and and you know keep the data in mind, but also remember that the person we're trying to connect with human beings, you know, on the other side of that screen. So crafting a story with our ads so that regardless of what platform, whether you're running on TV or you're running ads on Facebook or you're using you know, Google Display, um, you're still creating a message and a story that will resonate with your target audience. So, I mean, in, in, and I love that where you're, you're, you use that word resonate and, and in order for, for something to resonate with me, Michael Wynn, you need to know what I like. I love Star Wars. I love, you know, <laughs> The Mandalorian just came out. And I spend a lot of time, you know, doing, I do a lot of things over and over and over again. Like I have these behaviors that that I do that are unique to me. And if I am the one that you are trying to reach, then I am your number one persona. Yeah. I, I got to know that you're watching The Mandalorian and maybe run my connected TV ads, you know, as you're, as you're looking up Mandalorian content. Um, that is, that's absolutely true. Like, we have to know who we're targeting. And one of the ways that I like to get at that is I think a lot of times, you know, we'll have clients who assume that they know who their target audience is or they assume that they know who their core customer is just because, you know, of, you know, a study that they ran 10 years ago when they were kicking off their digital marketing. Um, I really like to work with my clients and dig deep into their first party data. So looking at their existing customers, um, looking at, you know, where are those users engaging? Um, what type of behaviors do they uh, typically, you know, exhibit? And I think that, you know, looking at that data and then also figuring out what are their pain points as you're combing through the data. One way to really easily do that, you know, just having a little pop up on your website so that, you know, asking them, why are you converting here? What problem are you trying to solve? Obviously, a much better ad copy than that. Um, or as they're about to leave the site, like, what didn't you find here? And sometimes mm. a lot of that data may really help you to figure out what's the pain point that they're trying to solve, which can craft that message. Another, um, we're working with another client, um, a, a fitness nutrition certification uh, client, and they have this really robust community of people who have, you know, uh, Facebook groups and 
they talk, 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 talk. They talk about the, the pain points that they're having, what caused them to come to the brand looking for a solution, um, the problems that they're having with the brand that they wish they could figure out how to solve. Um, so using all of that, you know, all of that conversation, that data, where are they engaging uh, can be really helpful in just figuring out what type of story to craft and, you know, what type of messaging will really help to, you know, cause that emotion with the consumer when they see that ad on, you know, Facebook or YouTube or wherever. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, the companies who are able to kind of harness the collective feedback of the community of their, you know, advocates or their, you know, loyal customers, um, you know, one of the trends that, you know, it's not new, but it's to me, I think it's really mushroomed quite a bit is, you know, these brands who have their own Slack channels, these community channels in Slack, yes. and they have it broken into different, you know, uh, topics. And there's all this, you know, discussion. And I don't think that brands or companies think that that is first party data. But you want to talk about, you know, being able to, to, you know, sort of extract the, the necessary keys to unlocking the the real deep understanding of the persona of the person or people groups that you're trying to reach if you create a community yes. where they can interact together not just a spreadsheet of first name last name email address last time you bought something last time you were on the website like yeah that's all great you know but but i'm talking about this more you know qualitative data that then can, because that we're talking about step one, when we unlock this matrix, this is the science, right? This is the science part of, of the creative matrix. And so I think things like that, or whether you build it yourself, like, I mean, there are other platforms like WordPress that has BuddyPress or, you know, some other online community where you own it, right? Instead of Slack owning the information. Um, so things yeah. like that, I think are, are things that that companies are are either they don't want to invest the time or resources because it's not connected back to an organizational objective or goal but we you and I know exactly. that the more you know that person the better informed you are to do what needs to happen next or to help you avoid the mistakes you've made in the past yes Right. Yes, exactly. I mean, how are we going to yep. avoid the mistakes? We we get it. Like I said before, we have these like our, the glasses of the status quo or our nice, warm, comfy jacket because we've done it the way we've done it. We put our nice little Facebook hat on, you know, or our email marketing hat because it's gotten us the results in the past. How are we going to avoid those mistakes? Yeah. So as we're thinking about, you know, going through that data figuring out who your customer is, um, and then you have an idea, right? You're like, okay, I have a good idea of what will resonate based on like going through all this data. I think that maybe my target audience or my core customer is this type of person, and I'm going to develop a test based off of that. Um, the first step is calling it a test, right? 
maybe having some test budget set aside so that way you know you're not going to be incredibly disruptive to the business with the messaging concept or whatever you're going to be testing so having test budget set, set aside um, second having a living test document we call it a, a testing matrix at 3q but uh, you know a living document where you're tracking every single component of the test which should start with hypothesis like what what are you testing why do you think it's going to work the test details um how are you gonna define success are you are you looking for an X percent increase in click-through rate? Are you looking for, you know, increased ROI? Are you looking for a lower cost per acquisition? Uh, making sure that you're outlining from the very start of the test, the KPIs that you are going to be using to measure success. I feel like I'm talking a lot here, Michael, but this is like really, this is super important. Oh, this, this is the part that people- This is the bee's knees. We are in it right now. <laughs> So once you have all of that outlined, you also want to include, okay, I'm going to run this test until it reaches statistical significance. I'm not going to pause it after six hours because I'm nervous that it spent X amount and has not generated any conversions. I'm not going to pause it early, you know, as long as there isn't like a major platform bug, of course. But making sure that you set it up so that it's reaching statistical significance. And then at the end of the test, recording the results in that document. That's so important. So that way, you know, to your point, we're not repeating the mistakes of the past. We know, you know, next year in 2021, in May, we're looking back and we're like, oh, maybe we should test a blue background on Facebook. Oh, wait a minute, I already tested that. Let me go back, let me look and see how that performed. Oh, it performed, you know, maybe really well or probably not if you forgot that you tested it. But, you know, just making sure that you can go back to that document and really reference it is absolutely key to making sure you're not repeating your mistakes and that you are learning from the tests that you're running, whether they succeed or they fail. Yeah. And, and I think, too, going back to that example that I gave um, with like the, the online community um, component, I think the, the platform that you choose to kind of run your testing, they didn't have that in 1960. Right. Like they could <laughs> they either put. Split test, Michael, are you sure? On Facebook? I guess I guess they didn't. Right. Like they could put the ad in like, you know, the nickel paper versus the New York Times and like <laughs> test it like that. But but the turnaround time for like getting it printed and getting it out like they just didn't have it. Right. I mean, as marketers, we have such an incredible advantage because of all of the tools that we have available. We can do these little micro, you know, environment. You know, it's, it's R&D. Right. We're doing this research and development with creative and it and it's and it's everything it's color it's font it's it's verbiage it's you know really what we're talking about is is these little micro um you know forum uh or uh uh what's the word um that, you know they used to do the the people in the test room um oh my gosh oh focus uh, group right we are yes, we are yes. focus grouping we are focus grouping creative in all these little different channels like and again 
I keep going back to this Slack idea because I've, I've, I'm, I'm in one in a, uh, in my uh, daily sports fantasy world life that I live in. And like all these people, like they're all talking about like, well, what do we want to see with these tools that make us better to do our job? Right. And that's the thing with your creative at the end of the day, you're either trying to inspire someone to feel better about themselves. Right. Or you're trying to figure out a way to help them accomplish the goals and activities in their daily life better or more efficiently, right? You're, you're again, going back to that persona and you're creating that creative and then you've got to kind of work on it through all these different iterations, right? So I, I do think that is the, the mistake that we have made as marketers and as advertisers and as publicists and PR professionals. Um, we have made the mistake of thinking that there is this one piece of creative that we're going to put on these different channels that we're going to get some kind of different feedback. Well, that's not exactly going to yield the kind of testing result that you're looking for because the benefit yep. of doing split test and multiple segment test against multiple behavior types or psychographics or geographics or demographics is because we can, we can segment, we can segment and yep. we can test, right? Yep. Yep. But Absolutely. I think that ultimately leads us to the third thing is, how do we know that this is worth any lick of our time? How, how do we know that if we're not over here doing all this, you know, what might be a, a, a what might be construed as busy work or, you know, uh, you know, like I could easily see a marketing manager trying to execute what we're talking about and go to their supervisor and, and the supervisor like, I need this ad on Facebook right now. Yeah. Just put it yeah. up. Just get the ad on YouTube right now. You know, we're trying to sell more widgets. You know, <laughs> Jennifer, get back to your desk. <laughs> right. I mean, hopefully you don't live. If that's the world, the business world you live you need to leave that company and go somewhere else. So hopefully that's, but really, you know, you you really, to, to break down these, these barriers, you've got to know, you got to have something in there to figure out, how do I know this is working, right? Yeah. Yes, your key performance indicators, what are those? Your, your, what are your ROI? What are the things that you're trying to accomplish, right? Absolutely. And, and that is, that should be, you know, step two, after you think of the test, like you have the test idea. Okay, well, what, what am I looking for this test to accomplish? Um, you, you have to outline that otherwise you won't know how to define success. It, there's just no way to no way to do it. Um, yeah. Well, and I think too. And, no, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I was also gonna add in. Um, thinking about the impact, like, of course you can't like say you're going to see an X percent increase in ROI from running this test. You know, it's really hard to quantify it. And, and, and you know, you go to your boss and you're like, I want to run this test. It can seem like busy work. If you can't say, I expect that we're going to see a 25% increase in revenue. You know, that's, that's difficult to really put a number behind. However, what we do know is Platforms are changing all the time. If you're not testing different um, targeting capabilities or different messaging concepts, especially messaging concepts that really have the ability to, 
to change your brand perception, that's that's immeasurable. That's immeasurable. Yes. Like there's no way yes. to really quantify that. So I I couldn't agree more. I, and you know, I think one of the measurements, one of the key performance indicators that um, I think is grossly, grossly underestimated is brand awareness. You know, companies will absolutely just shy away from, you know, awareness and attention if it doesn't specifically equal sales of, of widgets and, you know, whatever. But guys, we are, we are stepping into the world and we have been in the world of passive artificial intelligence. We have smart devices everywhere we can imagine. We're wearing them, yep. they're sitting next to us, they're in our cars, and it's going to be the day when I say, hey, smart device, order me a pizza, right? <laughs> but when I say, hey, smart device, order me Johnny's Magic Pie, Right, because the major brands are going to be the ones that reply when you say pizza, and yes. and the little companies are not going to have enough money to compete with, you know, the the Domino or the Pizza Hut or Papa John's or whatever. Right. So yep. when you're going, when we're going through this exercise of unlocking the matrix and and really working on persona development based on first party data and then avoiding the mistakes of the past by diving into the testing of our creative and our visuals, and then we're measuring it against our, you know, KPIs, you know, we're really putting our best foot forward for 2021. Yeah. Uh, and, and those are all best practices that I have seen, you know, the top performing brands, the brands that really stand out in their industry, like, like Ulta Beauty, they, you know, implemented they were early adopters of a lot of these types of tactics and you know look where they are now this i was working on that brand years ago and they you know are just really in leaders and yeah i just i think this is super important great well guys this uh about wraps up our time today uh zania thank you so much for coming on the show uh, a last minute plug, anything that you'd like to say to the listeners, uh, again, shameless plug, whatever you want to mention here in your last 30 shameless seconds. Plug. Oh gosh. I'm so happy you're giving me this time. Actually, um, another initiative that's near and dear to my heart is, uh, diversity and inclusion. So we have, I've worked with some really smart people to create a SEL speaker accelerator, which will focus on training the next generation of conference speakers um, who come from marginalized communities. Look us up, unitedsearch.org. We're looking for mentors, we're looking for partners, and we're also looking for the next cohort of students who might want to train with us. Awesome. Well, guys, check it out. I love it. Again, uh, Zinnia Johnson from 3Q Digital, thank you for joining the show. Again, my name is Michael Wynn, and I am the Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops, a division of RB Oppenheim Associates. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Zania, have a great day. Thanks, Michael.